0: Amen, Amen. so um, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jonathan, Uh, I'm married to Helen, Uh, we've lived in this area for uh, about a decade now, Um, so yeah. um, And I'm part of the leadership team in the church here. Um, And it's my privilege uh, to uh, start this new series uh, looking at the book of Philippians. Uh, And our title, uh, our theme that we're looking at throughout the book of Philippians uh, is uh, living the joyful life. So that's the theme, the theme of joy that we're looking at through uh, that book. Um, before we look at uh, the text uh, that we've got today, which is uh, uh, chapter one, verse one through to eleven, uh, if you'd like to follow in a Bible, uh, feel free to turn to that now or find it on your phone. Uh, it will come up on the screen as well. Um, I just want to kind of introduce a little bit about uh, the book. Um, so it's written to a church uh, in Philippi, uh, which is in Greece and um, uh, was the first place uh, that Paul um, preached the gospel to uh, in Europe. Uh, So it was quite a key city. It was um, an important city for the Greeks. It was an important city for the Romans. It was quite a prosperous city. Um, And he went there and uh, he taught uh, the gospel there. And then he um, uh, is writing to them later on um, after that point. If you want to get into a book of the Bible, if you want to get inspired about reading a book of the Bible, um, I can very uh, recommend uh, the, if you, uh, in the message, uh, certainly in the paper copy of the message that I have, uh, there's a, an introduction in the start of every single book. Uh, and in prepping for this, I thought, I'll oh, sit down, I'll read that, see what it says. Um, and um, Eugene Peterson, who translated that version of the Bible, uh, writes a little spiel in there about the book and about the main themes in the book. Um, and I thought this is really helpful, actually, for thinking about joy in Philippians. Um, and I can't really express this better myself, so I don't normally do this, but here's a quote uh, from that uh, that I just want to share with you that kind of helps under- help, hopefully will help us to understand this theme. So he says uh, Paul doesn't tell us that we can be happy or how to be happy. He simply and unmistakably is happy. None of his circumstances contribute to his joy but circumstances are incidental compared to the life of Jesus that Paul experiences from the inside. Christ is, among much else, the revelation that God cannot be contained or hoarded. It is this spilling out quantity, uh, quality, sorry, of Christ's life that accounts for the happiness of Christians. For joy is life in excess, the overflow of what cannot be contained within any one person. And I think if you read this book, uh, this letter to the, to, um, the uh, Philippians, you can catch some of this overflow of life, this overflow of joy uh, that um, Paul is expressing to his friends in that church. Um, And it is mentioned uh, here about these circumstances, uh, and um, Paul does refer to it a little bit through the letter, that there are some pretty challenging circumstances going on, but it's not the main point at all. He's just constantly... Pulling us back to Jesus, uh, to the gospel, to the joy that he's found in him, and that's kind of overflowing out of the way that he just expresses everything. And that's, I find that quite amazing. Um, so, the circumstances that uh, Paul is in as he's writing this is that he's in prison. Um, he's uh, writing to a church where there are some issues. um, They're not getting on very well. um, And by this point, he's probably been travelling for about 20 years. Um, So I'd imagine, if you read the book of Acts, about what went on in Paul's life, those 20 years were probably 20 quite tiring years. um, And uh, he's had some pretty rough treatment along the way. But despite these circumstances, there's still this... Characteristic joy that just overflows as we read this. So let's read it. I've, I've waffled on long enough in introduction. <laughs> um, so, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father to the glory and praise of God. Okay. So, um, I've got four points I want to draw out of this uh, this morning, uh, and these should come up on the screen. Um, First one uh, is outward-looking thankfulness, and that kind of speaks to this theme of joy that we've got uh, coming through this book, um, and particularly through this passage. Um, Secondly, confidence in hope. Thirdly... Honesty about what has been lost. And fourthly, because everyone really knows that you're actually only allowed three points, confidence in hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He returns to that theme at the end. So there we go. Right, so starting with outward-looking thankfulness. We've got these... Uh, First verses here, um, after the first introductory words, uh, where Paul is um, thanking God, remembering them and praying for them. I wonder, when you pray, do you use good things that are happening in other people's lives as a starting point? And I read this and I thought about it. I thought, actually, no, I don't actually do that very often. Actually, it can be easy um, in certain circumstances where there's somebody who's really close to you where something amazing happens and then you're just like, yes, go God. Uh, And then we had a moment like that uh, a while ago. um, Helen was uh, sitting exams. They were very hard (laughs) exams. It was quite a struggle getting through them. And uh, there there were quite a few months... Not at least a year where I started most of my prayers. with thank you that you pray- thank you God that she passed those exams. It, kept, it was a, It wasn't just like a, oh yeah that was nice on the day. It was a. This is this is really good. <laughs> um, so, um, that was a t- that was a time for me where it was easy to pray and say thank you because of something that had happened in somebody else's life. But there are times when it's less easy, uh, when we're under pressure. Um, sometimes it's easier to shrink our circle of uh, where, we're in, but where we're kind of emotionally invested in other people. Um, in the period of time uh, before Helen passed those exams, there was quite a lot going on for us, and um, I can speaking for myself, I think that was probably a time when I didn't do that very much. I wasn't using good things happening in other people's lives to start my times of. Of prayer and try to start my times of worship, but that's exactly what Paul's doing here. And it can feel risky to, like Paul care like that. Um, and I think it's striking that Paul clearly knows that there are things that aren't going so well in this church, and there are things that he needs to challenge them about, but he still starts off by thanking God. His starting point is thankfulness when he thinks about them. He really, really cares. But he knows that it's not just his job uh, to fix stuff that isn't good. It's not his job. He starts by seeing his friends in Philippi uh, as Jesus uh, sees them. And he talks about uh, this partnership in the gospel And the gospel is expressed in so many different ways in different books of the Bible. And actually, I think in this book of the Bible, if you want to understand a central way that the gospel is expressed, um, listen back two weeks ago uh, to a preach that Jordan gave, which was called um, Costly Worship. And uh, that's really about um, how Jesus gave everything for us. And we gave everything for him in response. And that's the, as I read Philippians, is the way that I see the gospel kind of expressed as a a kind of central way of of that. Um, So recommend that, um, listen back. So for outward-looking thankfulness, secondly, confidence in hope. I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I really like the satisfaction of a finished job, having something that is done, dusted, ticked off. Here we go. at the end of every day at work, certainly if I've got a lot going on, I always make sure that I write a list down of the things that are still buzzing around in my head so that I can set that down and then I can pick it up again the next day and off we go again. Um, because otherwise these unfinished jobs are kind of buzzing in my head a bit and um, Helen's making a face at me because she knows I'm coming home and I'm thinking about them and I'm probably talking to her about them um, being very boring. Um, so. I would imagine at this point in Paul's life there's quite a lot of unfinished business that's going on. And he's in prison. And he's not in any position to finish those unfinished conversations, to do those things that he wanted to do, to meet up with those people that he wanted to meet up with. But This doesn't seem to stress him out. It's quite remarkable. It's because I think he... I, has a really clear understanding of the work that belongs to God and the work that belongs to us. He isn't just thinking, okay, like I do at the end of my working day, I've got this much done, God, and uh, God, can you just finish that bit for me? He understands that what God is doing, God starts and God finishes, and that's it. The work belongs to God and Paul has complete confidence that it's all God's doing and he will do it when he sees fit, as he sees fit. And he uses this phrase at the uh, day of Jesus Christ and we'll come back to that later, that's my my second confidence in hope point, Uh, we'll kind of unpack that a bit more. My third point is uh, honesty about what has been lost. It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. When I read these verses, uh, what really hit me was actually the, there's a, an emotional content to this. As he writes it, this isn't just I'm saying these things because I feel like it's the right thing to say. He really is feeling this. And he's really feeling the pain of the separation from his friends. And he's writing to them and he's telling them Guys, I'm really missing you. This is tough, being in this prison. It's not a very nice place to be. And actually, I'd really like to be with you. He's not Pretending that everything is fine because it's not. The relationship is precious, and Paul is honest about how that feels. And the central thing about this relationship is that they're together in this phrase he uses, partaking of grace. It's not one that we really use, um, but he basically means receiving the uh, life and joy from this relationship that uh, they have together with Jesus. So Paul experienced this loss of freedom that limited his relationship with his friends. I think all of us uh, experience loss in life in different ways, at different times. And I think actually the way that Paul is expressing himself here is actually so helpful and freeing for thinking about this. Maybe uh, you've had a relationship that ended when you didn't want it to. Or someone that you were close to passed away. And these things can feel really unfair. It wasn't fair that Paul was in prison. It wasn't fair that all this stuff was happening to him. Plans that he made that never happens. conversations he never got to had, have. Things for you working out, certainly not the way that you would have wanted. But Paul is honest, and the emotion is there that we can see. And he's telling them he loves them, he's praying for them, he's telling Jesus how much they mean to him. And actually Paul is full of joy and happiness in this, but it doesn't mean that he's just painting a happy face over and putting it on to cover up how he really feels about what could have been. The joy that he has that comes from Jesus is real because actually there's no sense of hiding or pretending that things are fine when they're not. So then we come to this uh, final in these, these last few verses, verses nine, 10 11, where Paul shares with them what he's praying for them. Through this sense of loss and through this uh, emotion that he's feeling, this is what he wants for his friends in Philippi. He says, "It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent." And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, this is the content of Paul's prayer for them. And he uses this phrase, this day of Christ. So he's talking about when Jesus comes back. Um, And I was looking at this and... Um, I remembered a podcast that I've listened to. Um, it's uh, the Bible projects. I usually talk and mention them at some point in all of my preaches. So anyone who's playing bingo can take that one off. They um, uh, did they did a, they did a, 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 a um, several sessions on something called the Day of the Lord, um, which is a, a theme, a concept that runs through the whole Bible. Um, and if you search for that exact phrase um, uh, in, I used the ESV, it comes up quite a lot in the Old Testament Prophets. Um, And they're talking about this uh, as a forward-looking thing, but actually originally referred to uh, the deliverance that they had coming out of Egypt. Um, So what's happening with this Day of the Lord phrase is he's taking this concept that they have in Jewish thinking and he's saying, actually, I want you to understand these ideas that you already have about deliverance uh, from, uh, uh, and from, from being slaves, from, uh, into gaining freedom. I want you to think about those ideas and understand them in the light of Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to remember to uh, Look back to that day of deliverance that happened on the cross, and I want you to look forward to the day that Jesus is going to come back. And all of these things that I want for you, that I'm praying for you, I know, I've got complete confidence that on the day that Jesus comes back, He will have grown in you this knowledge, this love. the ability to approve what is excellent, uh, purity, blamelessness, righteousness. And all of this is going to be for God's glory. And that's what he's praying. And I think when you see that picture, it just becomes an even more beautiful and even more incredible prayer that he's praying for them. This is what Jesus began in their lives when they first heard the gospel. This is what Jesus is going to complete in them. And Paul is completely confident that Jesus' deliverance from evil from injustice that he's experiencing in his face with those four walls of that prison is going to be for them. So I'd just like to uh, invite Robin and Helen to come back. And uh, we're going to finish by worshipping God together. But just before uh, we do that, uh, I'd love to pray for us all. Um, Actually, as we look through this book of Philippians, uh, that we would know more of that joy um, that comes from Jesus that's independent of circumstances. There are all sorts of things going on in all of our lives. Um, And Jesus wants us to know that freedom and that joy. Um, So if you're able to, if you'd stand, and um, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you uh, that we can look back at your cross. Thank you that we can remember your resurrection and know that life. Thank you that we can look forward to the day that you will come back and uh, all <clears throat> everything that is wrong with this world will just be put straight and put right. And we look forward to that day. But thank you that we can know joy in this moment, in between those two things, knowing that you've got the full victory on the cross. And knowing that you're coming back to, uh, to to bring that joy to its completion. I want to pray for anyone in this room uh, that is carrying a sense of uh, loss. I pray that they would know your peace in this time. Thank you that we can be completely ourselves before you and be completely honest about how we feel and that nothing is too difficult for you so we ask Jesus for your uh, healing in that, through that time and yeah Lord I just want to ask above all that we would just overflow with your life thank you that that is real joy I pray that we would know you close with us this week and every week. And out of that place be just so so full of you that it would come out in all of our interactions. I pray all this in your name. Amen.